Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of the Clippings Podcast, where we review nail papers and share them with you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hello. All right. My article today is first reported U.S. cases of tinea caused by trichophyton indotinia, New York City, December 21 through March 23. The authors are Dr. Avram Kaplan and co-authors, and it was published in the May 2023 issue of the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. This is a very hot topic right now, and I think this is very likely to be relevant to those who take care of a lot of nail patients soon. Trichophyton indotiniae is a novel dermatophyte species that has not yet been reported to cause onychomycosis, but very likely may and it may in the future. This is an antifungal resistant dermatophyte that has caused an epidemic of severe tinea in South Asia, especially India, over the last decade. And this is thought to have emerged due to the misuse and overuse of antifungals and topical steroids, particularly the widely available combination creams that contain antifungals, antibiotics, and high-potency corticosteroids. These tinea indotinia infections are highly transmissible, And the clinical presentation so far has been widespread inflamed plaques on the body, skin folds, or face. So it can be tinea corporis, tinea cruris, or tinea facii. The tinea indotiniae isolates are frequently resistant to terbinafine due to point mutations in the squalene epoxidase gene. And these infections had been previously reported throughout Asia, Europe, Canada, but had not before this been reported in the United States. On February 28th of 2023, a New York City dermatologist notified public health officials of two patients with a severe tinea that had not improved with oral terbinafine, which raised the concern for potential tinea indotinia infection. These two patients had no connection to each other, and both of their skin culture isolates had previously been identified by a clinical laboratory as trichophyton mentagraphytes but were then forwarded to the New York State Department of Health for further review. Sanger sequencing was performed in March of 2023 and updated the identification of the isolates as tinea indotinia. We have a description of the two clinical cases as well as some images that are in the report. The first patient was a 28-year-old woman who developed a widespread pruritic eruption during summer of 2021. She was evaluated by her dermatologist in December of 21, at which point she was in her third trimester of pregnancy. She had no underlying medical conditions, no exposures to anyone with a similar rash, and importantly, no recent international travel. She was noted to have widespread tinea corporis consisting of large annular scaly plaques over the neck, abdomen, pubic region, and buttocks. And she was treated in January of 2022 with oral terbinafine after the birth of her baby, but had no improvement after two weeks of that therapy. So she began itraconazole treatment and the rash completely resolved after four weeks of itraconazole. Second patient was a 47-year-old woman with no major medical problems. 
who developed a widespread itchy eruption in summer of 22 while she was in Bangladesh. She received treatment with the topical antifungal and topical steroid combination cream without improvement and also noted that several family members had similar rashes. Then she returned to the United States and visited an emergency department there in fall of 2022, at which time she was variously prescribed first hydrocortisone 2.5% ointment and Benadryl, then clotrimazole cream, then terbenafine cream, all with no improvement. Finally, in December of 2022, she was evaluated by a dermatologist who noted a clinical diagnosis of tinea. She received four weeks of oral terbenafine, but the symptoms didn't improve. Then she got four weeks of griseofulvin with 80% improvement. And now that the tinea endotinia has been confirmed, she's being considered for treatment with itraconazole. Her son and husband, who she lives with, both have similar rashes and are also currently undergoing evaluation. The important takeaways here are that, one, the first patient had no international travel, so there is almost certainly localized U.S. transmission of tinea endotinia here. So healthcare providers should be considering this infection in patients in any country with widespread tinea, even in patients who haven't traveled recently. And this should be of particular concern when the tinea doesn't respond to first-line topical antifungals or oral terbinafine. It also turns out that the culture identification methods that most clinical labs will use for a fungal culture will misidentify this tinea endotinia as either tinea mentagraphites or tinea interdigitale, and genomic sequencing has to be performed to get the correct identification. So the current recommendation is that healthcare providers who suspect tinea endotinia should contact their state or local public health department for assistance with the testing, which is ultimately available at certain public health laboratories or specialized academic settings or commercial labs. It would be really great to make this process easy and readily available to providers in all healthcare settings to make us as nimble as possible for dealing with what I think is going to be an oncoming onslaught of this condition. In terms of treatment, success has been reported with oral itraconazole, which is a triazole antifungal. However, when this is prescribed, providers should be aware of challenges with itraconazole absorption, which can lead to variable serum drug concentrations, as well as there are many drug-drug interactions. Therapy might need to go for as long as 12 weeks. And triazole resistance has been reported with some trichophyton species, so itraconazole is not guaranteed to work for everyone or forever. This condition is also most often being described as being transmitted directly from person to person, so consideration of treating household contacts is very important. And that's what I have. All right. Thanks for putting that on the radar. I'm going to discuss two articles on Langerhans cell histiocytosis presenting with male involvement. The first was a photo quiz e-published ahead of print in Pediatric Dermatology on April 18, 2023, titled Onycholysis and Purpuric Nail Striae in a Child by Drs. Yang, Wang, and Lu from Beijing, China. The case is a two-year-old boy who presented with two months of recurrent fever, abdominal distension, an eroded plaque in the right axilla, and nail dystrophy. Nail examination revealed hyperkeratosis, onycholysis, longitudinal grooving, and purpuric striae on the fingernails and toenails. 
A punch biopsy from the axilla showed Langerhans-Cell histiocytosis with immunohistochemical staining positive for CD1A and Langerin. Labs were notable for anemia, leukocytosis, thrombocytosis, transaminitis, and an elevated CRP. Genetic testing on peripheral blood showed a BRAF B600E mutation. The patient was started on treatment with vincristine and prednisone and experienced complete remission of skin and nail deformities. However, his hepatosplenomegaly and transaminitis did not improve after one year of this therapy. He was then transitioned to azathioprine, cytosine, arabinoside, chemotherapy, and bemurafenib, and fortunately achieved remission with this regimen. Thought this was an interesting case, and it prompted me to read the review, Nail Involvement in Longer Hansel Histiocytosis and its Association with Multi-System Presentation and Lung Involvement by Drs. Bonametti, Pisoni, Finotto, and Berti, published in the Indian Journal of Dermatology, Venereology, and Leprology in October 2021. As some background on this condition, Langerhans-Cell histiocytosis, or LCH, is classified by involvement of single or multiple organ systems, single or multiple sites within an organ system, and the presence of high-risk organ involvement, which is the liver, spleen, or bone marrow. Nearly 70% of cases initially presented with cutaneous involvement only, which can appear as red scaly papules, a seborrheic dermatitis-like eruption, petechiae, purpura, vesiculopustular lesions, and nodules, and it typically affects children. These authors found reports of 38 patients with LCH with associated nail involvement, including 23 pediatric patients and 16 adult patients. In all but two cases, patients presented with cutaneous and nail involvement 90% of cases presenting with nail involvement had multi-system disease at presentation, including bone, lung, or central nervous system involvement. And of note, lung involvement was seen in 57% of pediatric cases of LCH with nail involvement, but is typically only seen in 25% of pediatric LCH patients. Nail changes included onycholysis, subungual hyperkeratosis, purpuric striae, nail dystrophy, paronychia, pachynychia, and longitudinal grooving. Most cases had more than one nail involved, and 55% of patients had involvement of all fingernails. Nail involvement is due to direct infiltration of the Langerhans cells and was proven by nail biopsy showing longer Hansel infiltration in nine cases. In total, out of 31 cases that reported outcomes, there were nine deaths after a median of 15 months, and most were males with all fingernails involved and displayed multi-system involvement. The differential diagnosis for the nail findings seen in LCH includes onychomycosis, psoriasis, chronic mucocutaneous candidiasis, derriere disease, dyskeratosis congenita, and pachonychia. The clinical, histopathological, and lab findings help to differentiate LCH from these other conditions. In summary, nail involvement in LCH is rare and is associated with a multi-system presentation. 
It can be suspected in patients presenting with nail dystrophy in addition to other cutaneous findings and systemic symptoms. Thanks, Catherine. I'm going to add that to my list of things that scare me that can present with nonspecific nail dystrophy. (laughs) All right. Catherine, thanks for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we're doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Twitter at Nail Disorders. <laughs>